Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, a few things to discuss regarding the Sixers. Paul Reed dominates at Summer League. Going to find out what happens with the rest of the rotation. The Sixers might have a little bit of room to sign some veterans. Going to have to see what, what transpires over the next couple of weeks here. But like I said, before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one, Mr. Paul Hudrick. First off, Paul, how was the long weekend for you? Got a few days off. Of course, for y'all don't know, Paul, still dealing with a little baby. So what were things like for you <laughs> over, over the uh, over the 4th of July weekend? So that it was good. We, we kept it low key. It was uh, the week before those who know we went to the Jersey Shore. We went to Wildwood for a couple of days and we brought the baby, which and if any any parents out there that have brought their child to a beach, a seven month old, it is a hell like I can't possibly describe to someone who doesn't have children. But it's uh, it was cool. It was cool moments, but it, it was hellish. But this weekend, yeah, we kept it. We kept it low key, man. We didn't uh, we didn't do anything too crazy. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, you're, you're not uh, you're, you're Canadian. So obviously, Fourth of July maybe doesn't have the same meaning for you but how about you you doing anything fun and exciting well it's interesting so canada day is actually on july the first so that was last right, right. friday so um <clears throat> i did go to a canadian event where i was able to have canadian beer had some moose head had a little bit of poutine so you know moose head. yeah okay. it, was a, it was a it was a it was a good little good little friday paul good little friday and that like honestly it. i didn't do much i just kind of hung out and uh um yeah just pretty much all chill caught up on some caught up on some sleep caught up on some rest because after as we know the draft and free agency although it's fun for everybody else from a content standpoint we are on constant high alert so it was nice <laughs> to kind of unplug yes for a few days there uh paul let's jump right into it looking at at uh summer league the sixers wound up playing their opener uh ended up being a loss to memphis but looking at this anything you saw from there that was giving you some sort of hope for next season. I mean, obviously Paul Reed was a monster. We've seen him do that before at summer league at 20 points, 15 rebounds, four steals. Um, also looking around Jaden Springer, who after a terrible first half ended up finishing with 15 points, three boards, two assists, anything from any of these guys stand out to you that maybe is showing you that they're ready to make a leap to possibly become rotation players next year. I think we all agree that Paul Reed will be that anyways, given what we saw in the playoffs, but somebody like Jaden Springer, a young man still trying to, you know, find his way in this league, like Charles Bassey, Charlie Brown, any, anybody really stand out to you at all, Paul, from that? Well, Paul Reed should be on a flight back to Philadelphia right now. Cause I don't know what the hell he has to show you in summer league at this point. Uh, as you already mentioned, he was, he was really good for them in the playoffs as their backup center. I thought he did an excellent job. So I, I am like a little confused as to why he's playing. Like he's he, to me, he's, he's the guy he's, he's your, he's the backup center. So why are we having him play summer league? I don't know. I will say this. So we started at the four last night and I know doc rivers has said before that he believes Paul Reed's position at the NBA level is the four. He thinks that's where he is better suited for that than actually at the five. So I do wonder if maybe this summer league is about that, you know, let Charles Bassey play center and then have Paul Reed play some four. 
and just to kind of get him some reps that way. I know Jackson Frank uh, had an interesting tweet where he talked about the idea of Paul Reed doing some different things defensively and then doing some interesting things uh, coverage wise where it's a good low leverage situation for him to get practice in that regard. So maybe mm-hmm. that's a part of it too. Uh, for me, I, I'd have him back on a plane in Philadelphia. I put him on ice. Uh, let's get him ready for the regular season because that's where I'm at with him. Other than that, uh, you know, Isaiah Joe, I thought looked like a third year guy playing summer league too. Like he looked really good. Um, you know, his shot it, it, when it goes, it, it looks great. He plays, you know, already plays NBA level defense. I would like to see him get a little bit of a longer look uh, when the regular season comes around, when training camp comes around, but I, I, I don't feel like that's coming for him. I, I don't know, but so, yeah, I, I thought he looked like, again, a third year guy playing summer league basketball. So I thought he looked good. You brought up Jaden Springer and it truly was like a, like the cliche, a tale of two halves of him where the first half he looked lost. Um, but the one thing that you see in him when you watch him play, and I tweeted this last night, it's he is an NBA athlete. He has an NBA body at 19 years old. That's like nothing to sneeze at. Like that's a pretty big deal to already have that um, to physically be capable of, of, you know, hanging with NBA athletes at 19 years old is significant. You worry about, quite frankly, everything else. I mean, really like his feel for the game just isn't there. The shot, um, Dave early sent out a video and you could just see it just, it really takes him a while to get that shot off. There's a lot going on there mechanic, you know, mechanically. And I don't know that he's going to be able to hit it consistently enough. Uh, to make him and that that to me jazz like that's the separator of what can make him a guy that could help the Sixers this year because I think like I already mentioned athletically physically he can play at the NBA level I think defensively I think he's already got good enough stuff you saw the play he made at the end of the game that was insane on Xavier Tillman he just basically ripped the ball out of his hands yeah Um, you, you see plays like that and you're like okay like this guy does have a chance to be an above average potentially special defensive player but this, if we're talking this year, that three-point shot is just, I don't think, going to be nearly good enough for him to give them anything um, worthwhile to, at the NBA level. Um, he still has to work that out. If he could make threes at a passable level, he's already good enough defensively to earn the minutes, but I just don't see it. And you see like you see stuff offensively where you're like, okay, like this is why they drafted this guy. This is why they took a flyer on him at 18 years old when they drafted him. Because those some of those finishes at the rim, he's so athletic. He just hangs. He seems like he's flying, like he's hanging in the air for so long. He drew a ton of fouls because of that, too. And I think you see those little things and it makes you think like you see why, right? Like you yeah. get the why they would draft a guy like that and why they believe in a guy like that. But it, but he's 19 and he just hasn't put it all together yet. And it, it's just that there's a reason why they drafted him. What? Like, you know, 30th, 29th, whatever he was overall. Like there's a reason mm-hmm. why they got him that late is because. He doesn't have it all together, but the reason why you take a flyer on a guy like that is because you see those physical traits, those athletic traits, and you think, all right, maybe we'll stash him in the G League a little bit longer, see if he can develop that offensive game. Other than that, um, I really like Charlie Brown Jr. I, I still think he might be an NBA player at some point. He's on a two-way deal now. It, kind of like Springer, where like the NBA, he's already playing defense at an NBA level and like really good NBA defense. He's he and he's disruptive. He gets his hands on a lot of balls, he, you know, deflections, steals, blocks. He's a good rebounder off the wing, too, at 6'6", and, and with really good length. 
the shot again is probably the biggest thing with him. He was two for five, I believe, from three last night. If he can, and he made threes at a, at a, at a respectable clip with the Blue Coats when he got to the NBA, when he mm-hmm. was playing, you know, when the Sixers had that stint, he couldn't hit anything from the outside. So he's another guy that if he can hit a shot or two, he could be a pretty good player for them. Um, I still kind of like his long term potential. I still think there might be something there. Grant Riller is another guy I like, uh, the, who they had on a two way last year before he got hurt. He's really smooth in the pick and roll. You saw a couple nice, you know, shots from him, a couple nice uh, drives to the rim. Uh, other than that, you know, I, I thought Bassey was underwhelming. I was kind of disappointed. I was looking for him to really stand out, and I, I don't believe he did. We saw Travell and Queen was uh, was a do not did not play because of reconditioning or something, which I'm not sure what the deal is there. I'd have to dig up to see what exactly the deal. If he was maybe coming off an injury and just maybe wasn't quite at 100% yet. So they were taking it slow. Hopefully he plays um, on Wednesday night and we get a good look at him. But yeah, other than that, uh, the Memphis team, I think every guy on their team can hit threes apparently, which was insane. I mean, they didn't miss anything from the outside. You can't really judge much from, um, you know, the, the final outcome of those games, but I thought their young guys, you know, acquitted themselves pretty well at different times. And I, I you know, I talk, I spent a lot of time on Jaden Springer and I think for good reason, he's the guy who is kind of tantalizing where, He's got so much potential, but it's just you don't know if he's going to be able to put it together. Paul, out of those guys, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Out of the guys you mentioned outside of Paul Reed, Jaden Springer, Charlie Brown, we can talk about Isaiah Joe. We can talk about a whole bunch of guys, Grant Riller. Which one do you think has the best chance to actually crack the rotation or remain with the big club next season? Out of those guys you just mentioned? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, like as you said, like we, as we talked about already, Paul Reed, I, I think, a lock. I think he's in it already. I, I mean, I, I want to say Isaiah Joe, but I don't, for whatever reason, I don't think Doc Rivers is particularly high on him, which is disappointing um, because I think he has some things. I think we talk again, talk about guys playing NBA level defense. I think Isaiah Joe has proven it on the NBA level that he can play defense. He can hang. Um, mm-hmm. And I look at Isaiah Joe and I look at Furkan Korkmaz and respectfully to Furkan Korkmaz, I want someone to tell me what Korkmaz does <laughs> that Isaiah Joe does not. And Isaiah Joe plays clearly significantly better defense than Furkan Korkmaz. I mean, I get like there was the point Furkan thing that was fine to start the year when they were desperate on point guards, but they don't need that, right? Like you have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Then you have Shake Milton and you have uh, DeAnthony Melton who can handle the ball a little bit. You don't want to rely on him too heavily to play big point guard minutes, but essentially you're going to have one of James Harden or Tyrese Maxey on the court at all times. So you like, you don't need a guy who is like a fringy wing that can also handle the ball a little bit. Like give me a guy that is three and D give me a guy that can shoot off movement that will take, you know, 30 footers and that can play some defense. And if I'm looking at Joe and I'm looking at Cork to me, Joe looks like the more valuable player. So I, I don't see whatever doc rivers is seeing. I think that's, just something I, I disagree. Any, do any of us see what Doc Rivers sees? That's, a, oh, that's the other question. Yeah. <laughs> fair point. Yeah. Although, listen, you got to give Doc credit for playing Paul Reed because he did do that in the playoffs, which I was very pleasantly surprised by. So maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised and Doc Rivers will give Isaiah Joe a longer look, um, but I'm not holding my breath for that. No, that's and, and that's fair too. And again, there's Doc's rotations always tends to be 
tilted towards more veteran guys, tilted towards having people that he is confident in. Which kudos, I sorry, real quick, but kudos to Daryl Morey for not signing a veteran center so that Doc can play him over Paul Reed or Charles Bassey. Yeah, thank goodness, thank goodness, and 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 I think that was the the right decision. And the Sixers have done a whole lot of other things during this offseason, Paul. Uh, still a part of the rumor mill when it comes to a potentially big deal. Some other things as well. Let's jump into that after a short break. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. All right, Paul, we're back here. Uh, since you turned into an NBA insider now, all of a sudden, no, Paul Hedrick, right? Settle right? down. Yeah, becoming right. aggregated. We we know who this guy. Okay, <laughs> okay, Paul. Um, you talked about this a little bit on Liberty Ballers. You can check out check out the article there too. The Sixers not going to pursue Kyrie Irving. Uh, Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report, also been on the podcast before as well. He mentioned that during uh, in his part of me in his write up this morning that uh, the Sixers not a serious suitor for. Kyrie services, neither are the Dallas Mavericks, two teams who we heard are in the running along with the Lakers. Uh, but you also mentioned Eric Gordon and we'll, we'll jump into the Kyrie stuff before we wrap up again here. Uh, again, where, like, where do you think this was coming from that the Sixers are potentially going to still make a run at Gordon, even though they made their moves, right? Signing Daniel house, signing PJ Tucker, bringing in the Anthony Melton of through trade, obviously on the draft night trade for the number 23 pick. So when you look at this right now and, and from what you're gathering and what you think Paul covering the team, is this it? This is going to be basically the guys that we see in Sixers uniforms come time for the start of next season? You know, I don't want to say they're done, but um, the way I've been framing it is I think they're comfortable. Like, if if there is a move to be made, they will make it, right? Like, if there is something that's good, if it's, you know, um, if you can move Thibel in a deal that you're getting an asset that makes maybe that aligns more with your timeline, like a guy that can maybe help you more now. And you're trading Thibel to a team that could perhaps have a little bit more patience with him. If there's something like that, I think they, they would, they might pursue it. Uh, the Eric Gordon stuff, I'm told the chances are very low and it's pretty simple math, right? It's like, you can't to make the contract. You'd have to move. I believe, and don't quote me on this. So I think I put it in the trade machine before I think Niang 
Matisse, Furkan, and like one other contract. Yeah, he makes he makes twenty to, million. He's basically yeah, he's to make and a half, and then twenty for twenty twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, right. To make to make Eric Gordon work, you need to trade four guys, and I don't foresee that happening. I think, I think a couple things. One, Keith Pompey reported uh, of the Inquirer reported at the draft that they were trying to get Eric Gordon. I have no reason to doubt that report. I think that interest was very real. What it seems like, and this is me somewhat taking educational guesses based on what I've been told from people, but it sure seems like Gordon was their preference. That's the yeah. guy they wanted on draft night. That's how they wanted to use Danny Green's $10 million. They wanted to use Danny Green and then whatever other pieces, whether that was Cork Maz or Thibel or whatever, to get them to Gordon's number and then include pick 23 and then that was that would have been the deal, right? Like at least that's what it seems like. And then what it seems like it happened was Houston wasn't willing to budge on its price. Um, I know Portland was interested, and in, I know Keith mentioned that as well. Um, and they couldn't quite make the whole thirteen thing work out. So it's it sure seems like they took a swing at for Gordon, and they couldn't quite get the pieces together. So they had to shift gears, and you know that pick was coming on the clock, and it was either pivot and go to a player like DeAnthony Melton, who is good, who is going to help this team, who I think was great value straight up for Danny Green in the 23rd pick. I think that's tremendous value. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Gordon was their preference there. I think that's what they wanted to do, but they had to pivot because they just couldn't make the pieces work on draft night. Now that that deal is done, now that Danny Green's $10 million is no longer here, the path to Eric Gordon is much more difficult. So I don't want to say it's dead because if there was an opportunity and it made sense for the Sixers and they wouldn't have to give up too much and completely, you know, deplete their roster in order to make it happen, I think they'd pursue it. But it just seems like with the salaries on hand and with Eric Gordon's number, I don't think it's feasible. And like I, like I said off the top, I think right now they are comfortable. If this is their roster, if they if they make no other moves. I think they feel comfortable going into the season with the guys they have. But then also, Jazz, I think something that people underestimate, you have tradable pieces, right? Like you have a Furkan Korkmaz whose contract is $5 million. It's pretty easy to slide that contract. Same with Thibel, who is still a valuable player to me. He has value, right? Like he's not someone you dump. He's not someone you give away. And he's got a, a pretty cheap price tag too, around $4 million. Uh, So if you have those guys going into the regular season, now you have a little bit of flexibility going into the trade deadline, which is not the worst thing in the world. So I would say they are not done necessarily, but I believe they are comfortable. And you look at this too, Paul, like, again, like I said, we, we know who the players likely are going to be. They could try and fill out the back end of the rotation with some veteran guys on, on minimum deals. But you mentioned a guy like Eric Gordon, 33 years old right now, um, looking going to turn 34 next season, but had a pretty good year last year for a terrible Houston Rockets team. He's been there, was a teammate of Harden's for a very long time, had great years uh, alongside Harden when, when the Rockets were actually amongst the best teams in the NBA. Look at what he did last year, shot better than 40% from deep. Uh, average just over 13 points per game. So he does fill that need in terms of bringing somebody off the bench who A, can obviously shoot the lights out, but B, give you some offensive production. Now, let's look at it from, from this vantage point, Paul. We know who the starters are likely going to be, right? At this point, you're going to go Joel. You got James Harden, Tyrese Maxey. I'm thinking Tobias Harris and, and P.J. Tucker. Again, might be a little bit different that they want to bring Tucker right. off their bench. We don't, <laughs> we don't know yet, but um, then off the off the your second rotation, you're going to 
definitely going to have Melton there, going to have House coming off the bench, going to have, like you mentioned, guys like Niang, Paul Reed, likely going to get some time at the at the backup five. When you look at what the Sixers have done so far this offseason, do you look at this team as, hey, they're up there now with the Milwaukee's, with the Boston's, potentially Miami? Like, where do you put the Sixers in the Eastern Conference if you had to rank maybe the top five teams right now? So I'm going to start this by saying I love you, but I hate this question. Uh, <laughs> because, thanks, thanks, Paul. That's that's very listen, kind of you. Yeah, I appreciate uh, <laughs> uh, well, because it's I don't want to say it's impossible to answer, but it's really hard to answer because it's July 6th and we don't know if they're done or not. We don't know what's going to happen between now and opening night. We don't know what's ha- going to happen between the opening night and the trade deadline and the trade deadline to the playoffs, right? Like you just said the Boston Celtics. We thought the Boston Celtics were dead in December last year. We were no, talking we about, were hey, terrible, let's, right? we let's, thought they were terrible. let's trade Ben Simmons and get Jalen Brown in here. Like, that's where we were. Like, that's where people were on the Celtics. And it's not like it was just us Sixers fans hating. Like, every Boston fans were thinking that, right? Like, they were thinking, all right, let's blow this up. It didn't work out. And then they make the NBA final. So I'm not saying that the Sixers are going to be that. I don't know. I, I would say that right now. Yeah, you'd have to say Boston and Milwaukee are a tier above. I think that's fair. They are they are the top of the East right now. But the Sixers and Miami are right there. It's not like there's like this huge gap between them. I think both of those teams, like Miami took them to seven games, right? And mm-hmm. it, 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 like this, I, I all those I would say that those four teams, and I'm I'm trying, I don't feel like I'm leaving anybody out when I say that, but I feel like those four teams are all like could all win the East, and I would not be surprised by any any of them. I really wouldn't. I I I think all four teams have a legitimate shot to to become the number one seed and potentially even get to the finals. Like I, I think all four teams are up there. I think the biggest thing for the Sixers is not looking at oh, the 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 Celtics got Malcolm Brogdon, like they're screwed. Like I don't think that's the way to look at it. And I get it because Malcolm Brogdon's a good player and they got him for a song. Like that's a hell of a trade uh, by Brad Stevens. I give them full marks for that. Um, It's a great move. But I look at the Sixers, the team that left the court game six against Miami in embarrassing fashion. You had Joel Embiid with a broken face and a a banged up thumb. You had James Harden, who I don't think was 100%. I don't think was fully himself. You had, you know, Danny Green blew up his knee that night, right? Or Mm -hmm. earlier in that game. And I thought you felt the energy kind of drain out of the gym when that happened. It was really unfortunate um, when that, because they were actually playing well at that point, And then that happened and it seemed to take the life out of the team. Um, and then you look at the bench and there was just, there was nothing, right? There was nothing there. And Yang wasn't giving them anything. Um, they, you know, shake Milton actually had a decent game six, but you know, he's shake. Like I, I, I am a, a shake Milton guy as much as, as one can be, but it was still, you know, not quite the bench rotation you would like. Mm-hmm. So I look at that team that left the court in game six and I'm saying, okay, well, instead of a Danny green, I'm putting PJ Tucker out there. Um, and I'm taking PJ Tucker off of the Miami heat, which is no small thing. Um, I'm batting Daniel house. Um, listen, I think that the, the house signing is becoming a tad bit underrated. When you look at some of the contracts that some of these wings are getting, like look at the Martin twins who everyone wanted the Sixers to get. And I get it. I like both of them. I think they both can play. Um, one gets eight million a year, the other gets six million a year. It makes Daniel House at four million look not that bad at all. Mm-hmm. And then if you go back and watch House last year, 
in Utah. I know we were talking about it today in the Liberty Baller Slack. I know Tom West has a really good scouting report coming up on him that's going to be published in the coming days. I'm really looking forward to reading it. But the one thing he said that stood out, you watch House in Utah in that first round against the Mavericks. House is guarding Jalen Brunson. He's guarding Luka Doncic. And he's 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 handling it. He's 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 holding his own against two really good basketball players. So um, and he's going to be, you know, your sixth or seventh guy. And you're also adding Melton to that mix. You have Paul Reed, who's going to be a, a year older and a year better. You would presume. I still think Tyrese Maxey is going to grow a little bit because that kid works harder than maybe any player in the entire league. And he's already so good. And he's just going to add to his game. Uh, and I just look up, at, up and down the roster. And I, I just, I, I, they're a better team. They are a better team than they were when they left the court. And I think that's big. And I think, the one thing that Daryl Morey focused on, and it makes sense when you consider they were lifeless in game six. And it was like, it was embarrassing. There's it was no embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. It was an embarrassing loss in game six and game five, quite frankly, both those losses, embarrassing, little effort shown, just bad, putrid. You added PJ Tucker, you added Daniel House, you added DeAnthony Melton. There's a couple of things that those guys have in common. One, their motors. Those guys do not stop playing. They are up and down the floor, a hundred miles an hour, the whole damn game. Um, and then on top of that, they are loose ball machines. They get every loose ball because of that motor, because of that intensity in the way they play. They get every loose ball. They they rebound for their positions very well. They do all those little things. Uh, the versatility of all those guys. PJ Tucker, you could argue, can guard one through four, even five on a given yeah, night, depending on yeah. the five. Yeah. Uh, House, uh, like I already mentioned, guarding Jalen Brunson, Luka Doncic, on a, 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 depending on the matchup, he might be able to guard some four. So at least one through three for House. DeAnthony Melton, he's a one through three guy. He, you know, he's got a he's six three, but he's got a six eight wingspan, and he fights. Hopefully, you know, he he really fights hard. He could guard some wings depending on um the size. Like he's not like you know if he has to go up against a Kawhi or something like that, that will go horribly. But if he, you know, some other, like maybe like a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum, he actually could probably hold his own against guys, against those guys size wise. So uh, the versatility of all three of those guys at is huge. So I think those things were all huge things. They were missing last year that they've now added. So is that good enough for them to be a contender? I don't know, but it's, they are a better team and I expect them to be in a better position than they were last year. Well, here's the thing, Paul. We thought they were contenders last year. And and as I've said many, many times on this podcast network, that let's not forget when Joel Embiid was healthy, that was a 2-2 series, right? The Sixers got back in it, won game three and four when he was when he came back after after missing the openers uh first two in Miami. And then, you know, obviously they got the crap kicked out of him in games five and six. So I agree with you. I think they're much better. Uh do I think they're at the level as currently constructed as Boston, Milwaukee? I'd still put them a little bit below. But again, like you said, we're not going to figure this all stuff, all this stuff out probably until what, maybe nine, 10 months from now when we get back into the end of the season and the playoffs, we're not going to have answers to these questions. I uh, want to get you out of here on this and coming up in part two of, of, of this podcast episode, I'm going to be talking with Chris Mulholland He's from our sister site at SB Nation with Nets Daily, but all this drama around Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving, uh, Paul, wanted to get your opinion on this. Jake Fisher, as I mentioned, reported this earlier in the day. Basically, the Nets might be willing to just say, hey, you guys have to come back. You're under contract. KD, you got four years left. Kyrie, you opted in. You got a year left. How do you think this whole debacle is going to play out in Brooklyn? If I'm the Nets, that would 
be my position. Um, I would not want to let either guy go because especially right now, like it, you're not going to get anything like not, I shouldn't say you're not going to get anything for them, but you're not going to get near the return you would like because both guys are clearly desperate to get out of there. So mm-hmm. unless we get a Ben Simmons situation where both guys say, you know what, we're both sitting until we get traded. I would probably hang on to them. Um, it's, it's risky. It, it's a little, it's a little risky, but it, it worked out okay for the Sixers, right? I mean, it, it wasn't a total disaster with the Ben Simmons thing. It was a disaster here for all of us. And we had to go through that every day, but it worked out pretty well for the Sixers in the long run, I think. Um, and, and, you know, Daryl Morey's patience worked out and they got James Harden, who was the guy they wanted. So I, I expect the Nets to be patient. I don't think they're just going to give these guys up and I don't think they should. Now, with that said, I I would not be surprised to see KD and Kyrie try to set the world on fire with this and try to go scorched earth on the Nets and sit out and yeah. make it miserable for the Nets. That might happen. So, but I, to me, if I'm the Nets, I think it's worth taking that chance. Let them go. Let them go scorched earth because they've they've essentially already done it right by by doing this by publicly demanding trades. Well, I guess Kyrie technically has not publicly demanded a trade. Ky- Kevin Durant has, but mm-hmm. I I think you stay the course and you, you try to get those guys back. Like, and, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then you move on. But I would exhaust all of my options in trying to bring both of those guys back. Um, if they do have to get traded, I, I see no other path than like KD to the Suns and Kyrie to the Lakers. I think those are the two ones that make the most sense by far. When you're talking about the Suns, you know, that's first of all, that's where Kevin Durant wants to go. And they have, Good, they have good players and packages they can offer. They have picks. They can make it work. And then when you talk about um, Kyrie, the Lakers are best suited to take a chance on Kyrie, right? Like the Sixers, yeah. I, I can see why the Sixers don't have interest. Like you're going to bring him back with James Harden after that was kind of the reason why James Harden left supposedly. And on top of that, you got enough issues here in Philly. Like, right? Like you don't need to bring Kyrie into this mix. Like that's just, you no, know, that, that, that would be toxic. Yeah, you're just asking for it. Like, you have your superstar players. You have a, a star in the making in Tyrese Maxey. Roll with that for now, right? Like, let's mm-hmm. let's roll with that. Um, same with Dallas. Like, Luca's happy, and Luca doesn't want him. Luca, you know, let Luca do his thing. Add pieces to him, and just and you got Christian Wood, which is a pretty good deal. You got him basically for peanuts. Uh, let's see how that partnership works out, and 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 play it by year. Like, I, I Kyrie to the Lakers is is like the only feasible thing because the Lakers almost have to take that chance, you know, over taking another shot with Russell Westbrook. Like that's, that's their best option. And uh, so to me, that's, if they're not going to be nets, I think those are the teams, but if I'm the nets, I'm holding on for dear life and trying to make it work. Oh yeah. At this point, I mean, what, what do you have to lose? You invested all this, obviously gave up a boatload to get James Harden. And let's not forget, they still have Ben Simmons on the roster too. And, and regardless of what people feel towards him in Philly, what we think about him covering the Sixers still is a very, very good NBA player. So they have the nucleus to, to try and make a run at things, but it'll be interesting to see how they go about that. Paul, let's wrap things up there. The Sixers back at it. Another summer league game tonight. Then they'll be in Vegas, uh, basically starting this weekend to get, to get going uh, for summer league there. We're going to have that covered. Anything else to uh, come down the pipeline paul or is it more like hey it's off season we're going to be trying to uh get you covered in any sort of content at this point that we can yeah i mean that's like i said tom west is working on that uh daniel house piece which i'm really looking forward to and we're all over the summer league stuff we had observations last night from harrison grimm 
just on a few of those things. If you know tonight, it's we, we get a little bit of a late start here on the East Coast in the in the Utah game, so we'll have you covered there. If you don't feel like staying up, I don't really blame you. Um, <laughs> respectfully to the Summer Sixers, uh, but we will have you covered on the site for that. If you want to, you know, catch some recaps, and then yeah, we're just gonna keep pounding away at this free agency stuff. We're going to have more kind of insight on what the team looks like. Some of the stuff we talked about on this podcast, kind of projecting out what the rotation looks like, what, you know, what the starters will be and, and all, you know, what the bench uh, unit sort of takes shape. And, and we'll be all over that stuff as, as the season goes on. And if they make another move, obviously we will be all over it. Yeah. We're still waiting to see what the terms of the James Harden deal are. So we'll have you covered. Yes. On that. Yeah, I, I want to well. add actually real quick, just uh, we have uh, Brian Taporek who we added, I am so excited because um, I feel like with salary cap stuff, Jazz, I am the Michael Scott meme of, <laughs> can you please explain this to me? Like I'm five and then Brian. And he's great at it. He's the Oscar. He comes in and says, okay, well, here's this, this, that. And he does such a good job of laying out what all the salary cap stuff means. So please, um, if, if you're into that kind of thing and you want to know where the six, even if you're not into that kind of thing, if you just want to know, where the Sixers are cap wise and, and kind of how they're, you know, where they are, what they can do. Brian is a tremendous follow and we are uh, very lucky to have him over at Liberty Ballers now. Yeah, I agree. And I had him on the podcast and I know he joined Dave as well. And he's fantastic at breaking down the cap and us at, at covering the Sixers too. So we're, we're building a big, big, big network and a big team at, at Liberty Ballers. So like I mentioned off the top, don't forget, give us a subscription. We always appreciate a five-star review to our podcast network. And of course, Paul, as you mentioned, Brian, Steve Lippman, Jackson Frank, Harrison Grimm, I can go down the line. We're going to have you covered through all things Sixers as we get into the meaty part of the offseason. That'll do it for this episode. Coming up in part two, I'll be joined by Chris Mulholland of Nets Daily. He's going to do a deep dive on what's going on with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, so don't forget to check that out as well. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow.